business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's 10 minutes past 12. Thanks so much for joining me once again. Today is day 18 of the war in Gaza. This is the third time I am speaking to you on a Tuesday. And instead of talking about our normal business topics, we're focusing on the war. Unfortunately, today my time is limited as there's a lot going on on this side. And I'm going to spend the next half an hour giving you a bit of feedback but from a very personal, objective, um, subjective point of view, and giving you an idea as to what the average citizen here in Israel is doing. There are two things that I'm sure you are well aware of. Firstly, that as time wears on, so the interest wanes. Not that people care less, but that is just human nature. The urgency of product that is needed declines as product comes in, And the need gets filled. The news is not all that exceptional because it tends to be the same from day to day. Now we've got the exciting news of our third and fourth hostage being released. But the war is there. No ground invasion has taken place. So it's pretty much the same on an ongoing basis. And also people need to get on with their lives. At the end of the day, if you don't live in Israel, You wake up, day 18 or day minus one is exactly the same. The same things are happening, the same thing, the same routine. And it's very difficult to keep yourself plugged in and needed. And so plugged in and in tune with what's needed here in Israel. So from a personal point of view, as you all know, I I work in South Africa. I work for Discovery. And I work with my staff every single day and my clients every single day in a South African context. So I'm quite connected to what's happening in South Africa on an ongoing basis. But at the same time, I live here in Israel. Um, My three children and my one daughter-in-law are serving actively in the armed forces of the IDF at the moment. And we are on an ongoing basis in touch with them and in touch with other parents that are in a a similar scenario. And at the same time, we're very much in touch with what's happening um, and what's needed by the army and by the residents of the south and now the residents of the north. So if I can just wind back a little bit to last week Wednesday. Um, last week Wednesday, you might have heard on, say, last week Thursday, you might have heard on my report back on the Kotel on Thursday afternoon. Um, I was privileged to work at the Kotel on, on Thursday um, during the day is a group of people who had been moved from their homes in Sterot and one of the surrounding kibbutzim came to visit. And it was a very emotional time to see normal families across the religious spectrum going together on different tours in the um, the Kotal Plaza, going down on the tunnel tours, the two or three different tours that are offered and, you know, having refreshments. And then standing together at the end and having a bit of an emotional um, sing-along 
and a farewell to to the people who had been with him during the day. And I took the time to actually just walk around and be part of the crowd. Two things struck me. Number one is that the kids were just playing. Kids were being kids. They were playing with each other. They were getting irritated. They were tired. They were just doing what kids do. But it was the mothers that were taking the strain. The mothers were staying there with their eyes closed, listening to the heartfelt music, looking towards the kotel or to in the direction of the kotel with a tremendous sense of emotion. And that really struck me is that here are these ladies, yes, they have been taken care of and moved away from danger and put into really nice accommodation, but they're not at home. They're not sleeping in their own beds. Children are not going to their own schools. And because they're from the South, they know someone who's either been killed or been abducted. And that was Thursday. It was very, very emotional and it was very, very rewarding to be part of that and to be able to help those people. Friday, I went down south all the way down into the middle of the Negev to deliver chalot um, and other um, Shabbos treats to my daughter's unit. And the difference between this week and last week was absolutely stark. The previous week, one drove down the road and you could feel a country at war. There were lots of big trucks with tanks on them. There were a lot of columns of armored vehicles. There were there was just a feeling of battle going on. If you looked into the fields on the side, there were tanks doing drills. There were four four wheel drive vehicles and half tracks doing tr- and drills. This week there was none of that. And really, what you felt is that had you not known anything, you wouldn't have known that the country was at war. Unless you saw an outpost that wasn't there the previous week and now is automatic or suddenly is there. But what you did get by being in the know is a feeling that everything's in place. All the hecticness, all the, um, the, the, the panic about getting things into place the previous week has been achieved and everything there is there and everything's ready and everything is poised for the next stage. And now it's just a, wait, a matter of waiting for that time. And again, a simple thing like delivering home-baked goods and halot to the girls, they're definitely getting food from the army and are definitely getting special things from the army for Shabbat, really made them feel very, very special. But I want you to picture this. My children are spending time in other people's homes people that they don't know, people that they might never meet, people who have vacated their homes because it's not safe, people who have vacated their homes because they've suffered tremendous, unspeakable torment at the hands of the terrorists on the 7th of October. And now our soldiers are in their homes making a cup of tea using the showers. And one thing that I've heard from parents over and over again is please treat their home as if it was yours. Make sure that you don't leave the cup in the sink. Wash it. Put it back in the cupboard. Leave the bathroom as you would like to find it. Remember, these people are going to come home. And they want to know that their home has been used for the war effort, but not abused by those 
who used it. It's a very sobering thought when you think about it and you put it in perspective like that. Shabbat was Shabbat. We spent time with parents, all in the same scenario, all with kids in different parts of the country, all worrying with discussions about how often are your kids checking in? Do you know where they are? What's happened? Some of our children have been exposed to more than others as far as combat is concerned, but everybody's doing their bet. Their bet. Motsay Shabbat Saturday night was a South African get together and uh, we watched the rugby, which was a nail biter right till the very end, but a great break and a, a tremendous sense of achievement and just a really happy time to be South African and to sit there and share it with friends. But then Motsay Shabbat continued into Sunday. The rockets continued to come. Life continued. And our children are based there. Our soldiers are based there. And yet we living in the cities are assured by municipalities that we are safe. We see things that are unusual. We see our dustbin trucks driving around as they do all the time, starting 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. But there's security driving behind them. Something that almost strikes me with a sense of a pang of discomfort. Why is there security behind the dustbin trucks? Well, the answer is very simple. Because the majority of the youngsters working on those shifts are Arab. And people don't feel safe. And as absurd as it is that somebody needs to be watched, be checked, this is what's happening because this is what is making the citizens of Israel very, very unsettled. And it's our fervent hope and pray that that type of almost almost seemingly nonsense will come to an end. But this is what needs to happen right now at this back and at, the, at this point in time. But let's take a quick ad break. Craig, if you can take us to the shops, we'll be back with you in a moment. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. It's 21 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have just joined, I am actually speaking about what's happening in Israel, the war in Gaza. This is the third week that I am speaking about it, and it is day 18 of the war. One thing that we are seeing that is happening is that the soldiers, especially those who are being called up, who are not in the army itself, are being rotated. So they're getting 24, 48 hours to go home. And this is really a very special time. It's time to just come home, put on civilian clothes, spend time with your family, do some washing, have a shower, do things that reconnect you with everything that you need to do. Check into university schedule. Find out when university is starting. Sign up to the lectures that you were about to do on Sunday, but you got called to the army to a war on Saturday. So all those type of things um, are very important just to keep people in touch. I spoke to a group of soldiers this week, and they said that their morale is very high simply because a group have just come back. Another group is planning on going today. Another group is going tomorrow. So this constant changing that's happening within the group just allows a sense of change, a sense of freshness to come into it 
so that the boring um, day-to-day things don't set in and start causing a lack of morale, especially when the ground operation hasn't yet happened. And I say that because the ground operation, at the same time as it being very nerve-wracking, it's also a sense of achievement. Like we need to go in and we need to do what we need to do. But clearly it's being held back. Clearly there are delays. And, you know, most of us who are non-military people really feel the longer we can delay it, the more we can achieve without putting boots on the ground, the better it can be. To turn to the positive side of two elder ladies being released last night, starting to speak today, and it is absolutely horrendous when you hear what these ladies have to say. The one was, I went through hell, says elderly Israeli released by Hamas. Yocheves Lipschitz, 85, says she was beaten by her captors. They were very, very hurt that the IDF and Shen Bet did not know of the attack. We were the scapegoats. That is something that Israel is taking on the chin. And they have repeatedly said it. And they have said it again and again, as painful as it is to for them to say and for us to hear, that the IDF and the Shin Bet, the secret um, service of the Israeli army, was caught napping. They did not believe that this was happening. And they did not believe that this would happen. And when it happened, the brutality of it is something that they never expected in their wildest dreams. So we've got two hostages back last night, two the day before. And now we're talking of between 50 and 55. Anybody who has dual citizenship, they are looking at releasing. But again, if you think about the two ladies that were released are married. Their husbands have stayed behind and they have been released. And every time we speak to Hamas, the answer about releasing hostages is... Well, Israel's already killed 22 of them through their consistent and insistent bombing. So we're not quite sure how many there are left to, re- to, um, to release. And that is the sadness and that's the shockingness of everything that's going on over here. But let's come back to day-to-day stuff here in Israel. Things are starting to open up. Malls are not um, that open, but the parking lots are full because people are coming to park, either going to work, they are going to other shops in the area, the banks are open, things are starting to return to normal because life needs to return to normal. But the challenge that you have is that you have 300,000 men and women over the age of, let's say, 25 that are being pulled and plucked out of the workforce. They were there, but now they're on military duty and they're not working. So that needs to be compensated for. People need to be brought in or there's just a shortage of staff and things are taking a lot longer. What we're finding that uh, is very easy to do now is get a specialist medical appointment to get an ultrasound, to get appointments that you would usually wait in Israel two weeks to a month to get, you can now get the next day or the day after. And that's simply because all those appointments have been cancelled. Also, um, with certain medical aids, you can get something called TV, which is a natural type of a treatment and includes acupuncture and uh, sports massage 
and these type of treatments, usually you can wait months to get an appointment. Now they're canceling appointments because the the, tre- the people giving the treatment are all gone up in milliwing. So that's really one of the one of the big challenges that that is affecting the workforce is that there are not enough people to go around, and even those who are there are quite stretched into what into what they need to do. Buses, trains, everything's running. Schedules are a little bit erratic for two reasons. Number one, they can't always keep to the schedules due to the fact that there either are not enough people to manage them or enough demand. And the other thing, every time a rocket goes off, that affects the security of the public transport. So one needs to be careful of that. Um, the other day on Friday, um, two rockets were sent to our area. One was sent to Bechemich, which is about 12 kilometers from us. And the other one was sent to Nofayolon, which is about two and a half kilometers from us. So really, really, really close, um, these rockets coming in. But again, Iron Dome doing, doing its thing, making sure that they don't get too close to the civilian population. One thing we are seeing, which is very, very different to what we saw before the 7th of October. Before the 7th of October, you felt the nation divided. You saw the signs. You saw the protests. You felt the difference between those who were for the reform in the legislature and those who were not. But now all of a sudden, all the signs have either gone or they are fraying wherever they were left. And the signs of together we will be successful. Together we will be victorious. One nation with one heart is absolutely all over the show. And to put things in stark reality, I went with my daughter to a shiva house, a house of mourning of one of the girls in her unit, whose father was the head of the security of a particular kibbutz. This kibbutz is right on the Gaza envelope. And the moment he heard about what was going in, going on, he rushed to the kibbutz and we know that he perished on that day. The challenge was that his body wasn't found for eight days. So this family knew that their father and their husband had died, was murdered, but they couldn't find his body. Eight days later, they found his body. The funeral was then done and the family went through the normal mourning process. But let me share something that the mother of this young girl said to me. She's lived on that kibbutz for 30 years. She's a primary school teacher, grade one and grade two. She's the way the schools work there is there are community schools. So not every yeshuv and not every kibbutz, not every settlement or every kibbutz has its own school. They have communal schools that the kids from all over the area come to. She says without exaggeration, she knows every single person who's been killed and every single person who's been captured. She either taught them, taught their children, or knows the parents of the children. If you think about a smaller country community where you've been an influential person for 30 years, teaching class after class, year after year, watching your students get married and then teaching their, their, their children, 
what that means to you, where your entire community ceases to exist. Everything that you knew, everything that you can relate to, your touch points are all gone. If we just take a moment to reflect on that and how absolutely absurd the whole motion is, it'll give us a bit of a perspective about what's going on and what this is all about. The question that everybody's asking is, will there be a ceasefire? The feeling that we're getting from the media, caring, speaking to people, kids involved, is that a ceasefire is not even on the table at the moment. It's not even a remote thought. There is only one thought, and that is to disseminate, to, to dismantle Hamas in every single way to make sure that they cease to exist. But, alas, things need to go on. And for those of you who are listening and have taken the time, maybe you lost out on some shopping time. And you know that all you need to do, if you need to get stuff from the pharmacy or from Discam more particularly, you can just download the Discam app, the Discam delivered app, and you can get everything you need. There are over 10,000 items on the app at the same prices that you'd find them in the store. All you need to do is download the app and stuff will be delivered to you within an hour. Now that's Discam. Discam pharmacies, better health starts here. The next thing is quite important. As we're seeing, the truth is not always the truth these days. The amount of false news, the amount of distortion, the amount of lies that are coming out is absolutely incredible. Take the hospital bombing, for example. Before we could even calculate what had happened, the number of 500 dead had come out. Nurses, doctors, patients, hospital wards destroyed. Nothing could be further from the truth. Israel had nothing to do with that. That was one of the 30% of the Hamas or Islamic Jihad missiles that misfired and landed in a parking lot where people were either in their cars or in the parking lot. The fuel ignited and incinerated a whole lot of people and their vehicles. But yet we were told it was Israel. That is my report back for this week. Um, again, my apologies for being brief, but there's a lot going on. I just wanted to make sure that we brought everybody up to date. Hopefully, when we speak next week, we'll be back into a more normal schedule as what we used to, and we'll have good news to report about many, many more, if not all, hostages being um, being released, the bombing of Gaza stopping and life starting to return to normal. However, the reality and my fantasy might be two different things. Thank you for listening. Have a good week. Be well.